0: Hello, welcome to another Rahulah Stubber this week with the amazing Daniel Sloss. Um, Thank you to everyone who has been watching these on uh, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash rkherring, every Wednesday night if you want to see them, especially if you've been linking your Amazon Prime and Twitch Prime accounts and giving us £5 every single month. Don't forget to resubscribe if you're doing that. It's pretty easy to do. There is a, a video on YouTube if you are confused. If you would also like to pay us back for the five months or so of free content we've been giving out on Twitch, we are launching a couple of Kickstarters. One of them is live now. It's a stone clearing based Kickstarter, rahalastupa.co.uk slash Kickstarter. You can just make a donation or you can get loads of cool rewards, including Cub Scout style stone clearing badges, a, a stone clearing guide, an amazing witch's finger or witch's dick gathered from the field by myself. Uh, T-shirts and all sorts of other things. Go and check out that. Rahalastupa.co.uk slash Kickstarter. If you feel like donating, all the money will go towards either making the merchandise or making new podcasts and internet content for you. Um, We're trying to put out as much stuff as possible for you. Do check out our Twitch channel. There's Ali and Herring's Twitch of Fun on Thursdays. There's Snooker on Mondays and sometimes Tuesdays. And Rahalastupa, most Wednesday nights. Anyway, let's sit back, relax, and enjoy Rahala Stepper with the wonderful Daniel Sloss. Hello, please welcome a man who's just finished writing his book, First Draft. Shut up. Hello, it's me, Richard Herring, and uh, welcome to yet another of our live-streamed Richard Herring's Licking Shaven Tushes podcast. It's called Today because I was listening to uh, my guest today, uh, an interview where he talked about... Uh, shaving his ass for a long time and so that's and eating asses and stuff that's what young people do these days <laughs> uh, we will not we will not be talking about that it's disgraceful we might talk about it a bit uh but i was uh hanging around with the oompa Loompas. have i never done the oompa Loompas for this book before from willie wonka's chocolate factory the others, they're great guys. Uh, if, if you if you die, they sing a little song about you. It's, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. They call it raillist, but so I don't know if that's going to catch on. Uh, we'll see if the cool kids start doing that. So what's been going on? Not that much. I've been writing a book. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to even. I don't know if I've been g- given permission to say what it is or what it's about. I have occasionally mentioned it uh, on podcasting in my blog uh it's about international men's day so it's about masculinity it's called when's international men's day 19 novel questions do you get it uh we should be asking about masculinity and the one i hope we will never be asked again don't tell anyone yet because it's not out yet it should be out in november but it's it's a big relief i've been working for you know 100 days on this book through lockdown whilst simultaneously trying to parent my children which i you know i i should be doing anyway obviously but not all the time, and teach them and stop them. My son threw a tractor. At my daughter tonight <laughs> hit her in the head. It was a it was a whole thing. Uh, so it's been difficult, but we've got to the end of the first draft. I think there's still some work to do. Uh, again, masculinity is a, a subject I know my guest has been uh, covering, so there may be uh, some more discussion of that as we go on tonight. Um, yeah, uh, I'd I just say uh, if you're enjoying uh, the Twitch channel, uh, you can, of course, remember you can, um, if you're with Amazon Prime, you can give us five pounds every month for at no cost to yourself. But Ian Amazon just gives that money. He takes one pound 50 back, but you can give us five pounds a month uh, just by linking your accounts. If you go to YouTube, uh, Herring nine sixty seven there's a very easy uh, description there on a video which will help you do that uh we're also doing uh, snooker that's starting up again excitingly Me one versus me two snooker for the people watching this on twitch not you at home uh, on podcast i mean you're all at home uh not if you're on the podcast on monday the 4th of july uh on that comedians at home in, in lockdown whatever it's called on bbc2 i will be playing myself at snooker on national tv it's the dream i've been paid i've already got the money I'm a professional, self-playing snookerist. Um, it's, my wife said it would never happen. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They they wanted it recorded. They got in touch. They rang up and said, can you We need this. It was like right at the beginning of lockdown. They said, we need this uh, by the weekend. maybe Monday. And so I did it straight away and I got to them on the Thursday. And then it's been a uh, hundred days. Why did they make me rush it? Uh, the, the, the house on the picture that they put out is not my house, by the way. So don't. Don't think it is. They put a picture of a house up at the start. It's not my house. My house is much nicer. No, it's not. Uh, anyway, look, uh, Upper Crust is going bust. Apparently, I can't. I had no idea that was still going. It's such a twentieth-century place. Uh, I'll I'd, I'd be sad to see it go. Though I had thought I thought it had gone already. Anyway, I think we're nearly there. Is, is there anything I was going to do? I was going to introduce my co. I was going to my new co-house. Uh, this is mainly for people watching the video. This is uh, Ali. Hello, you motherfuckers! I, I'm, I think I'm getting pretty good at ventriloquism. That's my belief over the course. <laughs> Shall I have? I just have him ask all the questions? Hello, what uh, have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No, I haven't. you oh, you're a liar. I know you have. Uh, this is the ventriloquist dummy that uh, Stuart Lee attempted to masturbate me with uh, in uh, 1987 in, the, in a Masonic lodge in Edinburgh. I could get that fucker me too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get him. Yeah, you know, if I just go, if I, if I can just delete all the bits where I've been joking about it and just go, yeah, you touched my. That's bad, isn't it, Stuart Lee? Anyway, let's meet our guest today. It was all in. It was all just harmless fun. Uh, my guest today is probably best known for his for playing Lawrence Kirk in MUFF Muff. That's why we're all here today to see that guy who did that. <laughs> it's Daniel Sloss, ladies and gentlemen. There he is, Daniel Sloss. Hey. How are you doing? I'm I'm all right. I Good. mean, I don't think any of us are doing well. <laughs> Has it been? How's it been the 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 lockdown for you? We you, we're just saying before you you finished your tour more or less, but it's kind of derailed your 2020 plans somewhat.
1: Ah, yeah, like I was. I just finished. I uh, did an 18 month tour uh, ages ago. It finished in December. It was all the way around the world, and then. In January, it was meant like me calming down a bit and then slowly get back into work around February, March to tour uh, Australia. And then I would have a relaxing middle of the year and then the fringe would happen and then things would continue on as normal. And then that decided to not happen, so I've yeah. lost all sense of self worth. Don't know who I am anymore, and uh, <laughs> I'm slowly you are, losing you my. Do, mind. I
0: mean, you work very hard. I work pretty hard as a, a comedian. I do usually used to do a new show every year. You do you travel the world. You do these shows all over the world. You do a new show every year. Was it true that your Edinburgh show this year was called Hubris? Yes. That's, that's somewhat ironic. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not happening. Well, now, uh, see, this is the thing I was very
1: excited <laughs> to bring up with you, because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, and you have uh, a record that I am desperate for. Right. Uh, you've done, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you've done how many Fringes in a row have you done?
0: Uh, I'd say I don't think it was, I think there was always a couple of, uh, out, so I think um, probably the most I did in a row might have been... 14 or 15 something like that so you, I think you might even, you, are you there? You're nearly there you're not quite there you're
1: no see um, 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 this will be my uh, I think my 12th and the but the, the problem with it is obviously there's no fringe this year
0: yeah
1: I still might be able to perform in Edinburgh during August at the venue I was going to do anyway okay depending on so I does might count of course it fucking counts of course it counts what do you mean does it count <laughs> I absolutely count it. It's in Edinburgh. It's during the f- month of the Fringe. It's We don't call it August. It's Fringe Month. You know what it is. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be going for my 13th year this year.
0: Okay. So, and you'll be the only one. So there's been a lot of people who've had that ripped away yes, from. So if you, if you go, you've ruined it for everyone else. If you manage to keep the Fringe going on your own... Yeah, and then but you I, literally going to do it every day. You're going to perform it every day. Is that the idea, or is it or just
1: once? What? Um, uh, whatever's safest, man. Whatever yeah. they let us do. <laughs> <laughs> like we don't know if for me, just the concept of getting back on a on a theater stage and yeah. stuff is just so exciting. I'm desperate
0: for it. Well, it must be possible. I don't quite understand. I think we mentioned this last week, but the way cinemas are opening and and clubs aren't i mean the cinemas the same exactly the same as a club i, I would have thought i suppose there's a bit more bar action in a club but uh, um yeah. doesn't have to be
1: i i think if they're able to do it in cinemas you, if that or just put on a comedy gig in a cinema yeah and just go right same rules <laughs> same rules yep. you, you said it was fine the only difference <laughs> is i'm not doing it on that big fucking screen
0: or maybe we could do it. You could just do it in a different room and put yourself up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. Listen listen to the response through the wall. Uh, it might work. It might work. Well, and bingo's allowed to go on. And so, like, the, I mean, people were discussing that whether you'd be able to call the numbers and then do a joke in between. You know, if it's. And there's no difference between. COVID you know, 19? The, yeah. 19. <laughs> 19. If it's a film, if it's a funny film, if they're too worried about people spluttering with. I don't think films are as funny as stand ups, though, right? I don't think. You don't get many films. Where people are really literally rolling and head shaking in, in the aisle. so maybe that's the thinking. But you know, just put shit comedians on.
1: yeah, who I, I, I won't make you laugh that much. Of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, or I thought, I thought you they could run the clubs, but you you had to go to a comedian you didn't like. So it'd be a way <laughs> of keeping it going. Yeah. So I'd go and see whoever. I'd go and see Stuart Lee, and uh, you know, sit there. But he would still get paid, and and the theaters would still make money and nobody would get in trouble because no one was laughing. So, you know, it could work. You may call me a dreamer. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's,
1: what at the moment, anything that works, anything that can get us performing again, I would be... Willing to, willing to do well to some extent. That's not true. <laughs> but there's some. The, the more I think about it, there are some gigs that you could offer me right now, and I'd go. I can, I can happily not gig for another couple. Of months. Like if you were to offer me a gig in kilmarnock I would. I'd be like, I can, I can live until twenty thirty without performing again. <laughs> there's some places you just don't need to go back to.
0: Because see, I think some. I, I haven't been doing. I mean, I've been in the podcast, but I haven't been doing that much stand up. So I haven't really experienced. I think my wife talks about this when I've been on tour a lot and I stopped Performing for a month that I become very difficult to deal with, but I've been okay because I haven't been performing all that much. But I love most comedians I've talked to have said their eyes oh, so that they're fine and they're not. But I think it's actual. You're like a, an addict, yeah. a laughter addict. You get and you're getting the adrenaline rush, and you're actually getting your brain flooded with the same chemicals as drugs do. And so, right, have, you got, any, have you had? If you had withdrawal effects from not having that experience,
1: uh, Richard, I'm losing my mind. I <laughs> not <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I am anymore like I had uh, this, this tour that I did uh, for 18 months was it was you know it was Japan it was Australia it was fucking Russia and America and all this stuff and I was you know I, I was gigging every single night doing this show and I was here he is it's Daniel Slosh you know anywhere between Fucking 200 people and 3,000, they say your name, they fucking... like 18 fucking months, 18 months in a row, I was told I was the most important thing in the world. Every single day, I had that yeah. narrative confirmed in my mind from a room full of strangers that loved and adored me. And then me, who'd been pining for all this time off for so fucking long, after this 18 months, to, <laughs> I survived a month of it. And now I'm just going, what do I do? Like, I have... Like, uh, you, you, I mean, you write your books, you've got your, your podcast, you're, you're a father of two beautiful children. You've got other things, man. other things. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been slowly discovering who i am and right. uh, and i'm not necessarily a fan of them
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think it's someone like, well, it's hard for are you on are you are you isolating alone are you with a partner or with a family or yeah uh,
1: so i've uh, i had uh, i live with my girlfriend and we had uh our other flatmate he's just away for a bit uh, so i've been in a house of about anywhere between three and five people so it's been good but my girlfriend has a has a real job and i and she's working at home from nine to five. So I think it's really not hard for her, but like what would normally happen pre COVID was I would wake up at when she woke up and I would wake up and I'd make her a packed lunch box. Cause I'm adorable. And and <laughs> I'd make her a packed lunch and I'd give her it and I'd kiss her on the cheek and I'd get back into bed and I'd wake up at one and I'd play computer games. And then she'd get home at six and she'd go busy day. And I'm like, Oh, the busiest. Oh, just you won't believe it swept off my feet. Whereas now, I come downstairs and wake up at the same time and make her breakfast and stuff like that, and then I just wander around just not knowing. Because I I, I I struggle to relax now because normally, if I just had time off from a tour, if it was between yeah. two tours, I, I could smoke weed 24 hours a day, play computer games, and not feel guilty about anything. But because... I'm unemployed. I just, I've got this anxiety all day of you should be doing something. You should be, you know, you're useless. You're not doing all these things. And it's been a real struggle. She's been helping me with it a lot. Just started going, Hey, 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 there's nothing to do. That's it. There's, there's just nothing you can do at the moment. Um, but no, man, it's, I've, 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 uh, to be honest, I've, I've struggled with it at points. I'm getting better at it and I'm learning to deal with it, but it's been a fucking shock.
0: Is it possible – see, this isn't something i have had to think about being a respectable father. Uh, is it possible to get drugs during lockdown? Is that, is that service still available? Mad, yes, it is. <laughs> and, oh, what
1: So I've had some uh, – for me, it's, it's, uh, it's about trying to find structure so I don't lose my mind. So there's been days where I'm like, I'll get up, I'll do this, I'll do this. And then there's been other days where I've just texted my dealer and I'm just like, you know what, just go and bring me some acid and I'll just have a day. And I just—I've got nothing else to do. I might as well just take a little bit of acid, walk around my garden, and talk to some trees. Um, which is good because it's spiritual in a in yeah, a yeah. way, and it, you know it allows you to uh, self reflect a bit. Um, but getting in the—it's really hard to do the drug deals because he's like, get in the car, and you're like, especially at the start of lockdown, I was like, I can't get in the car. It's like getting in a. Yeah, yeah, to buy drugs from a stranger, but I'm still wearing a mask while in the car, being like, this yeah. is not safe. This is not safe.
0: Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. It's, uh, no, absolutely don't. Daniel Sloss is a fictional character and is uh, unable to get the bad effects of doing that. Um, so let's talk about uh, MUFF Muff. What was that? Is that, that? What was that uh, on your IMDB page? Absolutely. Lots of comedians in it. Yeah, so basically
1: uh, six or seven years ago, I think, uh, me uh, and Tom Stade decided that uh, it was too hard to get a television show made uh, by all the big TV production companies. They always want to put their fingers into your idea, mix up your idea, and they would take your idea and they'd make it worse over time. And we just, we didn't like that process. So we were like, fuck it, we'll do it ourselves. And uh, it turns out, it turns out you need those people, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out they're they're very important and the process is hugely crucial to the writing process. It was... um (laughs)
0: <laughs> Maybe just one to say don't call it muff, I think might have been the that might have been all it needed. Might have been. Might have been. Man. It was What a, did Muff stand for? It was M U F F. What did it stand for? Didn't stand for did everything. Muff? That
1: was the joke. Okay. <laughs> didn't stand, didn't
0: stand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of the lines in it was like M U F F. It doesn't stand for anything. It's like the BBC. It doesn't stand for anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh that was one of the only things that translated as a joke in it. Um it was man, It was it was it was just a chance for us to uh, me and people that I really liked and just to just to see what we could do. And yeah. it was a learning process, and I learned a lot. <laughs> and it was that I'm not the best at writing, <laughs> and that if you want to film six episodes of something, don't do it with a quarter of the budget and half the time.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I well I did something with as it occurs to me. I tried to. I got a budget of 100 grand together to try and make six. Uh, six episodes and it's too much it's still much too 100 much grand too we we got yeah. 5 did you yeah <laughs> yeah but 100 yeah. but like 100 grand wasn't you know I did it through kickstarter and it was very thank you to everyone who contributed i think it was okay but it, you just realize how yeah it's the, it's the time you know i was so i was i was writing it for free so i wasn't getting paid writing it no think uh, but um you know so that's the thing you need the time to sit down and 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 write it properly and i think when you're trying to do some, something quickly it, sometimes it can work sometimes it can't the other uh, potential credit i was going to uh, pick up on which i have heard you talk about on another podcast now just just the last minute uh, you were on robot wars right yes, when yes. you were, when before you were when you yes. were a child. I mean, you were a child when you started doing comedy as well, but even yeah. before then. Yeah. So I, tell me about Robot Wars, because that's very exciting.
1: Oh, man. So, uh, I mean, this is OG Robot Wars, uh, back when Craig Charles uh, um, hosted the original season. Uh, me and my dad watched it on TV, and just one of those bonding moments where, about it was gladiators, but with robots. <laughs> and for my nerd dad, he was like, this show is brilliant. So him and all of his uh, nerd mates at work, they were like, we've got to enter in on this show. Um, so they, they entered it like three or four times and they did quite well. In season two, they were on the... Uh, every, you had The robot had to be like 100 kilo max, right? Yeah. So the... A lot of people would go, okay, so we're going to put an axe on it and we're going to have that go down. The axe is about 20 kilograms, it's got to do enough damage. So they would, put all, they would lose a lot of weight to the weapons of what they were using. Whereas my dad and his friends, a bunch of like nerds and psychopaths, were like, just put all of the weight into motors. Right, yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you've got an axe. If I hit you at thirty miles an hour, your thing's dead. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what robot you build. If I hit it at thirty miles an hour, it's fucking dead. And that was their plan, and it worked for the entire. They, anything they went, they plowed through, they still hold the record. There was one part in Robot Wars I don't know if people can remember, but the house robot called uh, Matilda. She was yeah. She looked like a triceratops. She had a chainsaw on the back. She had little flippers on the front. In season two, there was a thing called Joust. So it was like she came up one side, you came up the other, and there was a arena that you had to try and push her off or stay on for as long as you could. And she weighed twice as much as any other robot because she was a house robot. And my dad's robot took it off in three seconds because it went at 30 miles a fucking hour through this thing. Um, but we got we got our asses kicked in there. When we started fighting other robots, our lack of weapon d- yeah. d- didn't didn't work in our favor
0: you could just run away though if you're going at 30 miles now just just exhaust the other well, until he, they run out of petrol or whatever they operate on their batteries i suppose
1: ah uh, yeah well man, some of them I mean, you, it was it was man as a kid it was the best place in the world to be because it was in an aircraft hangar right? okay. and it's just all these fucking nerds man and they've got all these amazing robots and there's there was such a sense of uh, community because it was every single person in this aircraft hangar had been bullied all the way through their childhood. And they were just in an aircraft of their own people, man. It was like, this was nerd culture before nerd culture. This was before Comic-Con. Oh, it might not have been before Comic-Con. But I, was, oh, I loved it as a kid. I got an extra week off of school because, like, yeah. one week we got – my dad's robot got knocked out. And the reason it got knocked out is because he had a weapon on it that was illegal. He'd uh, – He'd gotten the diamond encrusted blades that they use on oil rigs for like digging through miles and miles of rock. And he just stuck that to the front of a robot, had it spinning backwards. And we're like, fuck it, that'll win. So <laughs> we take it to Glasgow for the uh, the tryouts and the robot we're against has to be swept off of stage. Like a d- <laughs> destruction happens. But that was when it was in Glasgow. So it was the Glasgow crew doing it. They're like, that's fine. We then go to London. We revved the thing up backstage, and one of the health health and safety people, they put my dad in a bulletproof fucking chamber to start it. And the second it started going, health and safety were like, honestly, we don't know how you got this. This is illegal to own. You can't stick with it. this we've only got this much perspex if this goes through rock this will kill everyone in that fucking arena if it goes wrong <laughs> so we weren't allowed to use the weapon so we were then knocked out in the first round i was distraught and wow. 10 year old me sobbing into the shoulder of philippa forrester just yeah. uh she was very kind about the whole thing but then they gave my dad a job for like a week right because <laughs> they they're just nerds are the best people in the world they were like right <laughs> That's too soon. That was such it wasn't your fault you lost. Why don't you come drive the house robots for a bit and yeah? I mean,
0: that could have been a different I mean, if it had gone into the audience and killed a lot of nerds, that would have been a very that would have been a very different start to your I, I, mean, I wonder what, to your li- you know, as long as you survived the massacre. But I That would be a cloud hanging over your life, wouldn't it, if your father I, had murdered some children and nerds?
1: Yeah, but imagine the fringe show, Richard. <laughs>
0: well, it would <there'd laughs> be a good for it eventually.
1: Imagine the narrative. <laughs> My dad
0: was the Robot Wars the- massacrist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wondered how your 11th birthday was. Uh <laughs> uh I
1: I didn't find out for 3 days. I didn't know. No. So for those that don't know, my birthday is uh 911 September the 11th. Uh, it was actually 11/9 since we're in the UK. My birthday is the 11th of the 9th. Um but 911. Um we uh, we were on a school trip uh to some uh, just like rock climbing. Just basically get the kids away from their parents for a week shit. And uh, on the, my birthday was the Tuesday and I remember waking up at nine and all the teachers were happy and we went to breakfast and it was fine. And I got I got to open the presents that my mum had packed away. And then at around 12 or one in the afternoon, all of the teachers got silent. they just so quiet. And we're all on the bus, like driving somewhere. And we're like, why are the teachers all upset? They're listening to the radio. And yeah. they're and we're like, why are they listening to the radio? None of us had the intelligence to listen to the fucking radio to hear what was going on. We're like, who knows? It must be her mum's dead, and they've said it on the radio. Mrs. Mrs. Janet's mum's dead, and they've announced it on the radio. So, and the teachers were like, they did because how do you explain how do you explain nine eleven to a child? Yeah. So they just didn't do it. So they they, they were like, fuck it, not my problem. So I went back on the Friday. My mum and dad were like, hey, happy birthday. Here's the main present. Also, just so you know, there's going to be a minute's silence on your birthday for the foreseeable future. Because the world has changed forever.
0: Yeah, as long as they go. That was that was your birthday surprise. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing was that's what I wished for.
1: Of all the years, I wished for a PlayStation, and I didn't get one. The one year I wished for nine eleven, and it
0: happened. Oh, okay. well, you know, I'm never going to forget your birthday. So that's uh, uh, that's I, a that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to send you anything, but I will never, never forget it. Never. Forget um, it. I was surprised to find that you were born in Kingston upon Thames. That's disappointed me. Oh, it disappoints me every day too. Yeah. Um, but are your parents English or are your parents Scottish? Scottish. So, okay. uh, my, that's uh, allowed then. M- mum's
1: from East Kilbride and my father is from Thurso. They met at Edinburgh University and they fell in love. And they moved to uh, London after graduating and they lived in a houseboat on the Thames. Now, you might actually know this. Do you remember a comedy club called Screaming Blue Murder?
0: I do. Yeah, very much so. One of the first places I played.
1: That was right. So, right. So my mum and dad saw (laughs) you do your, like, one of your earlier gigs because that was their local gig. Wow. Okay. So every single, <laughs> whatever night it was on, they would go watch it all the time. They saw you, they saw Mark Lamar, they saw Stuart Lee, they saw fucking yeah. Don French, all the all the great ones from that time. That's why they love stand-up so much and that's how they got uh, me into it. So they're down there and then my mum doesn't have a job at this point. She's got her PhD uh, and my dad's got his programming job and um, then my mum, they'll deny this. They uh, They accidentally conceived me uh they will they'll be like no you were intentional i wasn't because they lived on a houseboat on the tent and if you intentionally while unemployed have a child while living on a boat you're not allowed to be a mother i just (laughs)
0: um
1: so i was born then down there and then at the age of four um i had the i had a cockney accent Right. I was like, hello, like mummy, hello, like daddy, what's going on here then? And my mum and dad were like, there's not a chance. We cannot, I'm not, I'm not raising a fucking Tory. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Getting back across the, get back across the wall, getting back. No, his his grandfather will never hug him if he sounds like that. And uh, moved up to Fife when I was four and then went worse. Cause I went to the Fife accent, which I don't know if you know, it's fucking nasal, I shit my okay. eyes uh, And then I descended into this monotony okay
0: i had the same because i was born in york i'm from yorkshire originally and i had a very broad yorkshire accent but then at four i moved to leicestershire then at eight i moved to somerset and then i moved to london everything and now i've got nothing there's nothing there's little bits of those accents hidden away in my actual whatever this is but yeah i I, I was talking this to one of the guests recently but i just said that i found an old tape of me singing the theme tune to wait till your father gets home which really won't mean anything to you uh, and uh, broad yorkshire accent it's it's, it's extraordinary um but that, that's what that's what happens we we move around destroy our heritage but at least you've moved back and got what it. kind of accents do you uh, do your kids have then um I don't well my son's t- only just started talking so i don't think he's got an accent it's a bit hard to tell with a kid I don't, yeah i don't know really nothing not any nothing particularly is there I'm any even, accent
1: that would put would you is there any accent that would put you off? off. <laughs>
0: um I mean would be it'd be weird if they just picked up a different accent. Uh, uh, if they
1: started walking around <laughs> just saying, <laughs> French. Oh, bonjour, papa. I have uh, picked up a little bit <laughs> along the way. <laughs>
0: uh no, I'm I'm very I'm very I'm very good at accents and uh, I'm very open to any accent. That is that's that's my uh, that's my thing. Um that and ventriloquism. Um so uh, I saw it was, uh, it was good, wasn't it? It was amazing. Very good. <laughs> my great granddad made that uh, ventral kastami, so I inherited that from my granddad, who inherited it from his dad. His dad was like, I think, a Methodist minister who used that to doll spread the word of in... God. Yeah, and now I use it to, <laughs> to swear <laughs> and look like I've had a mental I'm, breakdown.
1: I'm sorry. You <laughs> wait so in church. he was like, look, Jesus is a great guy, but don't let me tell you. I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, 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 ah. There's the, ah, i mean i don't think it would have been quite this frightening like in 1890 when he made it but uh it's uh it's, it's not there's a female one as well uh they're oh, called dear. ali and sally ali and sally sloper i think they're based on some cartoon of the Time, but we found inside it rolled up. There's all these bits of newspaper from I think 1890, something like that. So that's how that's how old wow. he is. I should look after him better than I do. But at least he's he's still being used, right? Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what he would. I mean, you know, could he, how could he imagine this? But what how what would he think if he's you know that would be passed down to your great grandson? That's amazing. He's Still got it. He'll still be you know a, a whole century of the past will be in a third century. And he's using it to swear on, on the internet <laughs> and being <laughs> yeah. sexually assaulted by it. Um, you know, I hope I'm glad he never lived to to, to see that. Oh, yeah.
1: Mainly yeah. because had he lived this long, he would have looked terrible. <laughs> Jesus, very. You've, old. you've seen the state of the puppet. I can't imagine <laughs> what he'd look like.
0: <laughs> so, uh, well, let's well, Your mum was a massive help in. I know your mum's quite a big figure in the in the fringe, isn't she? But she was a big help in in getting you into comedy in the first place. So she she sort of, when you were, had you, had you, you'd shown an aptitude for comedy, I, I guess, by I, this stage.
1: Yeah, I'd shown an that, interest uh, in it. Yeah, like, I man, I, I, I love stand-up. I always have, yeah. um, I, because my parents love it, because they watch all this live stuff. So my dad always had it. He would take me to the fringe since I was about, you know, five or six years old, just watching street performers at first. But when I got older, um, start, you know going to see any of the late night shows that I was allowed into or the afternoon ones Um, and my parents were good like they knew I wanted to try stand up and want to give it a go but they were also very much of hey as a backup you've got to get your grades first make sure you you know do well in school this isn't your job yet Um, and my mum weirdly enough Frankie Boyle ended up doing a corporate gig uh, that my mum was a and my mum is very confident. She's an extrovert. She's very friendly. She, and she just did that standard mum thing. She's like, my son thinks he's, he's, he's a good, he's, he, he thinks he's funny. He's a big fan of yours. You should teach him. And Frankie was kind enough to go, if you know what? Sure, here's my email address. And wow. so, yeah, 16-year-old me emailing Frankie Bob, asking him all these questions like, how do you write jokes? What's the best way to do this? And Frankie's response was essentially a lot the lines of, I can't be arse answering these, just come and hang out with me. So I got to <laughs> hang out with him during the Fringe, and he introduced me to all these people. So that was like a good, and also helped me get my first gig at the uh, the
0: stand. Right. Oh, that's good. It's Well, it's nice that that works. I don't want people trying that though, so don't try that with me. Don't. Oh, yes. So, yeah, uh, yes. Don't, also- don't try. Don't get yet six. I'm not going to help.
1: I also don't pay it forward to all. <laughs> <laughs> I also, i have not. I get emails all the day. Hey, Daniel, big fan I know I'm busy. I can't. It's there's so many some things
0: going but on. But you do, you know, you get emails like that and I respond to them. But I, that, it is quite, uh, your mum must have done a good job on uh, Frankie to make him. Like, she has see-
1: his very large breasts,
0: Richard. Is that what it was?
1: <laughs> and, and for the people that are like, that's a bit of an uncouth comment to say. Uh, let me to explain. I know my mother has... Uh, large breasts because I went to high school where I was bullied for the size of my mum's chest by both pupils and teachers so I'm, wow. I'm it's not new information for me
0: <laughs> well that's oh, if there's any mothers out there with very large breasts then no yeah. I would mean, that's, that's terrible frankie yeah. was a terrible terrible man <laughs> uh, so let's well let, let before I forget let's talk about we were talking about lockdown and gigs let's talk about the gigs that you've got coming up. This is in July for the people watching this in uh, July. Yes, so you've got you've got uh, coming up. So you do. You've a few people have had this idea of doing drive-in comedy gigs. So can yes. you explain to me what this is and how this is going to work, right? And if uh, it's going to work,
1: what? I've, uh, I, <laughs> who knows if it's going to work? This yeah. is there as as the guinea pig. Don't yeah. know. So I mean, you know the the we know drive-ins from American movies and stuff. Yeah. You know, especially horror movies. You should drive your car in. It's on a big screen. You can tune into the radio and you get to watch it from the safety of your own car. So you can canoodle and cavort with your debtor, whatever things. Um, so they're, I, they're doing that with the uh, stand up. They've not just stand up, but they've got a big. Uh, cinema screen in the middle of this car park somewhere in london uh people basically get to drive their car in park in their space their radio station connects to a frequency which connects to my microphone i'm also on the big screens and but they can also get out of their car and on an app i'm pretty sure they can order food and drinks if and there'll be some service i don't know it sounds so interesting um but gig wise i've got no idea because normally if you were to offer me a gig last year in fact Richard, if I was to approach you last year and be like, Hey, do you wanna do you wanna do a gig at a car park to about I don't know, maybe two fifty people? Uh they're spread out, the cars are at least thirty yards away. It's also outside, there's no cover. Do you fancy doing that?
0: There's no how are they, are they Do they beat their horn to show they're laughing? Is that the idea or do they... I fucking
1: hope not. <laughs>
0: I fucking... That's what I've heard people say that they're going to do. Well, the, otherwise, you're getting no laugh laughter, right? Unless, are you? Unless they're going to open their windows and stick their heads out and yeah. laugh.
1: Well, I think hopefully they'll sit outside and maybe you'll see... Oh, that.
0: sit outside the car.
1: Yeah, I maybe they will. Maybe it'll just be like gigging to a bunch of fucking Autobots it's getting heckled by Megatron off the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know what to expect. I'm genuinely excited for it because yeah, I, yeah. if it does if it does work and it, 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 it then I mean it's fucking and then I get to work for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I get to go back to <laughs> a, a job. The only problem is um, I, I would be very tempted as well to go and watch something in it. I'd like to see it from the audience perspective because yeah, as a performer, I think we get caught up in our heads so much about, especially when we can't hear laughter. Like, I don't know about you, but I especially, if you can't hear laughter, your timing gets fucked up, you get self-conscious about shit, you naturally speed up some of your material. Whereas if as a performer, I've watched people, friends of mine, have gigs that they didn't enjoy because they couldn't hear the laughter, but I still genuinely enjoyed it. And they come off stage with the same sort of like, oh, that was shit, it didn't go well. And from an audience member, I'm like, we all loved it though. (laughs)
0: So yeah. I hope that's what it is. And- well, you do get those gigs where, you know, you really felt there's, you know, especially on a tour, you'll get like a sub- the exact same material you're feeling doing the same and just like a, like not even a sound, you know, you're not hearing a sound. And then you often go, uh, you know, to people and they go, oh yeah, we love that. What a brilliant show. We loved it. And you can't, and there was, you know, the night before people were, ah, and cheering and then just sort of silence. It's one of so the... You go- I I'm kinda of used to performing to not very many people not making that much noise, so it's 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 all right <laughs> for me. I think it'll be okay. And, and I think it's I think it's inj inter- I think just getting that ability to be on a stage and just do it, I think you might find it's okay. I yeah,
1: don't... and and also man, I've done we've done music festival gigs and some music yeah. festival gigs, especially stuff like uh Bestival and uh Latitude, those gigs are brilliant and those are technically outdoor gigs. So yeah. they yeah. you know, as long as we get that type of crew in, um, yeah. Also, I think another good that I know about this one is they've done the uh, the the free tickets for NHS workers thing. Okay. So. Um, I mean, there are people that I think at this point in time will laugh at anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and are there tickets for these still remaining? Can people come see it? Or are you? Uh, there are how, still how tickets. Find-
1: uh, go, if you go into uh, the Drive-In uh, Club, um, I should have the email. <laughs> I'll find it somewhere. The Drive-In Club.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. Drive-In Club, I think it's called, yeah. Okay, well, that's 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 cool. And, uh, and you're planning to do Edinburgh on your own, so... Yeah, that is, if 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 big st- possible, yeah. Well, if big, big per- Sturgi
1: allows it, if if Nicola yeah. herself gives us the nod, we'll uh...
0: yeah. Well, that's good. So that's that's some of the p- things that the people in, the, in August who are listening to this in August can yeah. possibly. Well, we'll see. I'm not. You know, I I would be very surprised. I'm, my prediction is August. We're back indoors again. That's Do you think my so? prediction. Yeah, I mean, certainly some of us. I think it's going to be. If they manage it well, it'll be like it is as we're recording this. That Leicester has been locked down, dirty, dirty Leicester has been locked down. Yeah. Um. Uh. But it's, uh, you know, you expect it of Leicester. That's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Who, um, who
1: else? Be, be honest. Be honest. Who else? We know with Leicester's gone down. Who else do we know is going to fuck it up?
0: Um. Let me have a little think about... I, I think... I don't trust Leeds, they'll fuck I up. Think, I think Oldershot is definitely going down. Yeah. I, I think Oldershot might have had the coronavirus this whole time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were the epicenter that we didn't just know been, about. They've, been, they've just
0: been going for a long time. Um, Wolverhampton. I oh, mean, again, yeah. Wolverhampton you wouldn't notice if it had been ravaged by <laughs> an apocalypse. Um but yeah, there's there's a few places, and I would I you know I don't know I I would it'd be lovely to think we're back in in clubs and theatres by the autumn, but I just don't know if that's realistic, and whether those and that's the things they are like to you know look, every day they're tweeting uh, this venue is le- laying off staff, and that's the bit. That's, will the venues be there when we come back?
1: Aye, uh, that's the the really really horrible bit about it is. Like the the arts that will suffer, the, the all these amazing little art centers that you used to get to play in, all these wonderful theaters that are just going to deteriorate and then not be funded afterwards. They're just going to yeah. go into uh, it's it's very very sad.
0: <laughs> it is very sad. Uh, we'll see, I will say I just I mean, will it work? Just that I don't know you know, will those buildings? Will someone else just buy? You know, if it does, if everything goes to shit, you know, will someone else just buy it and then employ everyone back again? Or will someone come and go, Great, we'll turn Norwich Playhouse into a big yeah. theme restaurant and yeah. blah, you know, will that is that how how it'll work? And is that why the government don't give a fuck? Because they just think, oh, this will all get changed into something more profitable. I
1: mean, if you want to, if you, if you want to, if you want to get to the like tinfoil hat, this is how bastards the government are. I absolutely think it's well within their interest to destroy anything that encourages free thought, free speech, yeah. anything that involves smiling. They're like, don't do that because when people are happy, they get ideas. So I think they're loving it. The fact that the arts are dying, I think they think it's excellent.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you. I'm sure you are correct. Let's ask you a couple of emergency questions. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go for some new ones. I've been asking the similar ones all the time, so I am gonna ask you. Um, okay, this. I've, I'm quite obsessed with sex robots, and this just as we've come to a question about sex robots. But you know, uh, this is a uh, quite an involved one. If there are ever sex robots, as any right-thinking person hopes, would they be self-cleaning? Or would there be another small robot that would clean the sex robot? Or would there be a person whose job was to clean out the sex robot before the next person used it? And can you think of a worse job than that job?
1: Well, first, off, straight off, I'm going to tell you that uh, there absolutely would be people that clean the sex robots. And I guarantee you there are people that would fucking enjoy it. That would be their <laughs> kink. The, the, I promise you, there are people out there who don't want to have sex with a sex robot. They want to be the ones to clean the sex robot. They want to be the one that gets to go in and collect the juices and the whatnots. Um, I th- cleaning a sex robot, they, they would have to be self-cleaning. Because yeah. I mean, I mean, wait—the vagina is self-cleaning,
0: isn't it? Um, I mean, but like a, the vagina is much more complicated than any uh, robot or anything else in this world. It's a wonderful yeah. mystery, isn't it? No, even science doesn't know how a vagina. Yeah. Uh, they don't actually uh, know
1: what it is. They, the it evolve, can't, they can't they confirm don't, it. They don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> so I, I think it is a little bit self-cleaning, but I think. Uh, they do have to be clean. I think they have to be washed, yeah. to be fair. It's like your penis needs to be washed, Daniel. Yeah. I- Especially yours. <laughs>
1: if, I, if you're cleaning, I would say for a vagina, it would probably have to have some sort of dump system. But then, yeah. if you if for the for, uh, for the
0: robot, you mean? Or are yes. you trying to improve the female? <laughs> no, no, for, no. I think mean, if I was God, I've had a dump just pull a lever, dump just straight it straight away. And then yeah. if you really want it, something a sort of suction thing that would pull it. Pull yeah, it, like right a syringe, right you could just.
1: just yeah. <laughs> oh. If you're cleaning, um, if you're cleaning out. A sex robot that has a dick and you're cleaning the dick. At what point are you cleaning a robot? And at what point are you just, are you just wanking off a robot to not completion? There's a question for you. That's
0: a good good question. There's another one. There's another one. Yes, go on. Right. So obviously
1: with the female sex robots, they'll be programmed to fake their orgasms, much like normal women are programmed (laughs) to do that as well. Um, the male ones, the male ones, will they, would you reckon they would ejaculate?
0: I mean, I would hope. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, yeah, I expect so. Yes, I mean, I would hope so. You know. Is that
1: uh, what, would you reckon? That's an important part of it—the experience, or do you reckon they would be like, oh, you know what? Well, that's um, the worst bit.
0: I suppose that is interesting. I, I would say, you know, obviously for the the ejaculate uh, or the mm-hmm. ejaculator, mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very important part of it. I think for some people, the the ejaculation is an enjoyable thing to witness and be yeah. part of and be, you know, partially covered in. But would it, I think but, some people will enjoy that.
1: Yeah, but like, would it, because lately if it was if it was a sex robot with a dick, the, I mean, yeah. the button would literally just be around there. We're all aware of where that that emergency button is. I just, because what would it be? It would have to be edible. Maybe you could, maybe they'd flavour it.
0: Yeah, probably. It wouldn't have to be, you know, it could be nice. Yeah. Is that right? It could be just something nice, rather than, spell again, God has made an error. One of my other emergency questions is, you know, it seems weird that God made. If you are gonna make ejaculate, you'd make it taste nice, wouldn't you? What would you What would you have a taste of if you could, if you could choose anything? I mean, the day I suppose if it tastes too nice, the danger is the danger you just is. sitting there at home just ch- you know, making it into bowls and eating yeah. it, or
1: just getting high. Then girl. the human
0: race oh. runs out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if it tastes, so it's got to be a little bit horrible, but but still nice enough.
1: You know what? I think I th- I think the taste of it now is don't change the taste of it. Because- okay. For those people that enjoy the taste of it, that's fine. And if they don't, they don't. It, to make it tastier, you're just asking for trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you think if you were starving, how long did it, you could last if you were stuck in a situation where you there was no food and you were trapped? How long do you think you could last just eating your own uh, sperm? Uh, did people try that? Like, I'm alive and I... they start eating each other. Did they consider just wanking first and just eating that first?
1: <laughs> they could have
0: done each other's.
1: Yeah, I think you could definitely, with the protein in it... You would There's a lot of protein in there. It would give you an extra couple of hours, maybe days. But the question is, it's only worth it if you know you're going to survive. Because otherwise, when they find your body, it's just filled with cum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, they're like, we did, we did the autopsy, and it was like a jizz pinata. And he just recycled it over and over. Because and, yeah. if you drink then, your... Because if you drink your own pee over and over again, your pee changes colour and it stops being nutrition. If you eat your own cum over and over again, does it, does it stop being cum?
0: I don't think it f- if swims back into your testicles if that's what you are. I don't. Are think, I think it scientist? does stop being. Cum. No. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it can find its way home like a salmon. <laughs> no. I think it comes. I think it comes out. I don't think it's recycled. I think it. <laughs> but Sorry. also, the question is whether the amount of energy you would expend in in getting the sperm out is less than the amount of energy that the sperm would give you. That's the problem, I guess.
1: Sorry. I just, I love the idea of salmon sperm. No, every, <laughs> every time you ejaculate, just
0: the sperm desperately trying I mean, to sperm. sperm, that would, we would die out. The sperm, if sperm had a homing instinct, <laughs> yeah, we'd be in a lot of trouble because <laughs> <laughs> they'd just all be,
1: yeah. you'd
0: come and then they'd all just jump out and try and come, leap out. It would be, be very exciting. <laughs> but again, the human race would run. it. So um, there may be a planet where that happened, where people did that. And the, the sperm, will homing sperm, but the the that race did not last to see the the next day. Well, that's very, that's all very interesting. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we covered that. That was very important. Yeah, science
1: um, get it done. Any doctors out there who would like to contribute? To that?
0: Yeah. So let's talk about this. I know you have talked about this a lot, um, but I'm interested in the numbers. Obviously, in your show Jigsaw, yep. that you you talked about. You were, it was about relationships and. Uh, you I've sort of seen you variously claiming to have, broken, to have broken up. Well, the highest figure I saw was 25,000 oh, okay. relationships.
1: So the relationships is over 100,000 now, nice. but it's the, uh,
0: that's hard to
1: keep a tally of because yeah. I stopped. I, once we got to, I think, 25,000, I stopped going into the DMs and stuff. And so it's been a, I'll still go in, count it up, but it's very much an estimate. The one that we can guarantee is, uh, I think it's 177 divorces. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, I've got to... I've got to, I've got to I've, I've, in places, I've signed divorce papers that people have brought to the show saying, hey, I left my husband or I left my wife because of the show. Please sign this. this is, it's such a surreal thing, man. So,
0: the, I mean, that wasn't the only aim of the show to, to no. destroy love. No, no. I mean, my- or to destroy... Love that wasn't working, I suppose, is what you... what,
1: what was was exactly my intention. My thing was, uh, I'm not against love. I believe in true love. Only an idiot would not believe in it. My problem is you get... I just believe that most people in relationships aren't actually in love. They've just forced themselves into there because we're so terrified of being alone. And I, I had been in a particularly toxic relationship that I'd come out of that had made me just like... Uh, have all these doubts and I hate myself and it's I felt pressured to get into that relationship by everyone my family my friends society you have to be in a relationship otherwise you're not you're not complete you have to be part of something otherwise you know and I just I didn't like that and I hated the fact that there were so many people out there who would uh, who had, didn't know who they were, hadn't found confidence in themselves and were, had this fucking pressure from everyone else to get into a relationship and good people settled for less than they were worth. You had yeah. really, really nice people who were like, you know, they would see their friend Debbie, who's going out with some cunt called Chris and online Debbie saw, oh, me and Chris had a great day today. We did this, we did this. And then we sat there going, Debbie hates Chris. Debbie, I, she takes me five minutes going, I hate Chris. He's a dick. But, but, even though she hates them, she's still in this relationship. Therefore, having something must be better than having nothing. And it forced all these people into relationships. And when I forced myself into that relationship and then got out of it, I felt so much better. I I discovered who I was again. And that relief I wanted to gift to other people. (laughs) Not people in, not in happy relationships, but people in toxic relationships. Those relationships where the other person has made you dislike yourself so much that the only place you are able to get affection from is from men. And then it's a vicious cycle of the the thing. This person teaches you and convinces you that you're fucking worthless, but then they still love you. And you're like, Oh my God, I'm worthless, but they love me. What a hero. What a, what a savior. And people in those relationships, it's, it's cyclical and it's vicious. And I just, when I got out of it, I was like, I have to, help people in this situation sure. by it spiralled way more. Than <laughs> way, way, way more.
0: I think it's interesting. There was definitely, you know, there was times when I was in relationships where, where I wasn't happy, but you, you know, I would, I, I think the, the when I realized it was not a good relationship, when I was in bad relationships, I was kind of secretly hoping my girlfriend would die so that I could that not I break get up out them. of it. Yeah. That would be that would be the way out because I couldn't see a way out of it. But in my now i'm married and i just wish i would die so i think that's that's the (laughs) that's the definition of love to me so you know Mm -hmm. i don't want i want my wife to i love her she's amazing but it'd be that would be the way that's the only way out of it now
1: (laughs) Uh, here's a a very very morbid question for you Would, would you rather die first or would you rather your wife die first who would deal with it better
0: um well i think i i would probably deal with it better but i do hope i mean you know she's she deserves to live longer. Than, yes. <laughs> so, so she's a bit younger than I am, and she deserves to have a have a life. But, you know, I have to accept there's a very good chance that uh, the person who sees my children <laughs> to, <laughs> to, in their 18th and 21st birthdays might not be me. It might not be me. She might have found someone else. But, yes, I, I – I, yeah, I, it's a weird one. But, yeah, I think she – I don't think she would cope. Well, I think I would uh, – I, I, yeah, it's a weird thing to say, isn't it? I think I would cope with it better. I, don't, I wouldn't well, be very happy. And once you've got kids in the equation, that's the thing you got to get. you know, that's...
1: Who would it, do it? It'd
0: be too horrific for them, and just having to imagine that for them, but also very horrific for you to have to listen, look after them.
1: I no, I, I just, I, 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 both my parents are still alive and I don't want either of them to die. But when they do, it, my dad has to go first.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, my dad has to go first. Yeah, if, my, if, if, if,
1: if my dad dies, my mum will be so graceful. She'll, she'll cry. She'll have that single tear beside the graveside. She'll mourn, but she'll, for the sake of her three remaining children, she'll pull herself up and, 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 and she'll be wonderful. Uh, my dad will deteriorate. He'll die in a day. He'll die in a day. He will just, uh, he's, he's just, he's been with this woman too long. He doesn't know how yeah. to do it. I yeah, not my, in a bad way, no, in, a, in a really
0: but, adorable way. But my mum and dad, but also my mum and dad are pretty, uh, you know, in their 80s now, but my mum still is very young and vivacious and my dad is, you know, I think my dad will, he's fine, but if my mum died, he there's, you know, they've been together since they were 13, as well, so they've been together for 70 years. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, the idea of, I mean, that's just either of them, like, getting through that will be uh, uh, terrible, but, yeah, my mum will get over him couple of years i, just, I, that's, I why,
1: that's why i reckon there should be there should be an option there should be yeah. an option for suicide pact in a hospital like if you yeah. if you've been married to someone for over 50 years right and they're yeah. about to die there should uh, there should just be a bot an option the thing going take me with them like yeah. i just don't want and people should be entitled to do that why on earth <laughs> most of my life i spent with this amazing partner. i can't be arsed just take me out with them why
0: yeah, I mean, it's it's a beautiful romantic idea of old people murder. I think Harold Shipman had a similar idea. Um, <laughs> so I'm in great yeah. company. I'm You're in in great, great company. <laughs> and they they locked him away. It oh, was just a dreamer. He just he um, believed in true love. It's all he
1: wanted. He didn't want there to be heartbreak in the world. <laughs>
0: But it's weird, like relate. You know, I think the, the what I worry about about that show is like relationships are very fragile. You just need a little bit of doubt. And the what the other week, I mean, I think me and my wife are pretty a pretty strong relationship. I've, I really hope so. I don't. I never want to go back to dating again. And uh, I love her. And I love my family. And the idea of not being with them is is terrible. But I I was for another thing. I was I had a tarot reading last week. And she kind of said she, the first thing she said. I mean, it was all very vague, and I don't, I, don't, I have it as a cynic, and I don't believe it. But uh, she, the first thing she said is, "You, you feel your career is going round in circles." And one of my things I do at the moment is go around the field picking up stones and filming it. So I thought, well, that's definitely true. Uh, so maybe <laughs> she's onto something. And then uh, just and like then she shit, said that, and, <laughs> and then she said, "But on the relationship front, I think it's fair to say you're not in it with both feet, are you?" And I went. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Well, don't tell my wife that, because you know I'm married with two kids." And you know, she went, "No," and she still went. I, I sort of made a joke. She went, "No, no, you're not, but you're not." And, I, and then <laughs> having that, I and mean, then I told, I told my wife, I thought she'd find it funny. But now every now and again, she goes, "Oh, you're not in it. You're not in it with both feet, are you? <laughs> Yeah, you're open. And then with... I'm thinking, am I in it? Am I in it with both? Maybe I'm not in it with both feet. Oh, I, mean, I can't I believe I you. I can't already already do it.
1: <laughs> but him? I can't believe you have a tarot reader.
0: Well, I had to. I had to. I was like, it was for a So it was. Worth, I had to do something that I would never usually do. So I, that was the thing I selected for this for this uh, project I'm doing. But. Um, yeah, so, but it's it's weird. Just having that uh, seed planted can sometimes, uh uh-huh. you know, create yes. create a doubt that isn't yes. isn't, there, isn't even there.
1: I have no doubt that I planted that seed in plenty of relationships that were fine and would have altered otherwise. Thrived, and gone to better things. But I do not feel guilty about that because I categorically do not believe in the concept of the one. I think yeah. the concept that is so arrogant that there's only one person out there good enough for you <laughs> fuck off there's nine people in this street good enough for me like it's so I, I, if, if the, the real relationships the 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 strong ones are the ones that will survive it if, if 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 a comedian can break up your relationship with a joke
0: yeah,
1: wasn't that strong enough to begin with and it was only the it was only the questions that i wished I had been asked and the doubts that I'd have in my hands sure. because I don't think that's a bad thing.
0: You I don't could, think it is. And you know, I don't think it's a bad thing for people not, you know, I think like in the, in your twenties, I think especially you're made to feel like you should be in relation, you should be in relationships and you're going to find something will be with them forever. And people get married and people, you know, and it works for some people, but I, it's great. If it had been, if it, if I'd got married in my twenties, it would have been a disaster and I think you need to make those mistakes, but also that I look back at my 20s and 30s, and the things that I did end relationships over, um, you know, were quite small things. I think like the thing, where, well, I can't even remember, you know, but you'll be irritated by something, or there'll be something that annoyed you, or you just think, oh, well, we had a big argument, so that's the end of the relationship, and then you get married, and then the things you have to ride through to go, okay, Hi. and you get, you get, oh, you know, you do get over, you have days where you go. God, you know, you're at each other's throats and you hate each other for 30 seconds, 30 minutes. And then you go for a walk, walk around the field and clear some stones and you feel a bit better. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but I think that's, that's
1: an important distinction in relationship because I've had those arguments in previous relationships with you no know, little moments. I had an ex-girlfriend who, and this is small, but it's like she would talk while the television was on. And it just, it, and I know, and I know I shouldn't be focused on the television. And, but that's the thing. If she wants to have a conversation, I'll turn the fucking TV off and we'll have a conversation, right? What are we doing? Are we watching TV or are we having a conversation? Because I cannot do both. So you need to make a decision right now. She wouldn't. She'd be like, just watch and I'll talk to you. And I I, I couldn't do it. That's a small reason. Whereas, and that causes us to break up. My girlfriend now, if she spoke to a show, it would annoy me, but I wouldn't it wouldn't It wouldn't annoy me to the ends of the earth because yeah, yeah. when she talks to me, I'm actually fucking interested in what she has to say.
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think, you know, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about other people. I, you know, I, I think people should, I mean, you're not even 30 yet. You're nearly 30, right? You're, t- yeah. you're turning 30 this year. Oh, um, right. You know, you're very, I mean, you're incredible. It's, it, it's, I mean, your career is astonishing in that sense. I mean, you've, you've been working for like 11 or 12 years, something like that, I guess, as a professional comedian. Yeah uh and you know but even so that's the the level you've got to because you're you're i mean i don't think never know people in the uk know to the extent it is because you're playing in, in big theaters all around the world you've been on all the american chat shows conan o'brien you're on, on all the yeah. time and yeah. you know th- that's a that's a pretty big deal that not many uk comedians have got to that level I don't know whether people do. People know that about you, or is it just that I don't know that about? You? No,
1: people know in the, yeah. it's, it's in in the UK is its own uh, has its own. Uh, little... I mean, you're
0: doing very well in the UK, but I don't. Think, yeah. You know that, that the level you're at in the world is is higher than most comedians we would know. In yeah, this
1: country. I am globally quite successful in yeah. the UK. I'm reasonably success. I'm more successful globally than I am. in. But no, no, but it's, it's just England. It's just England. Scotland have always done well because they'll yeah. support Grown. Um, England's getting on board. And I don't mind that because like with the English scene, the English comedy scene, with the British comedy scene is exceptional at the moment. Like it really, really, truly is. And that's why there's so much good stuff on television and why the competition is much more, fierce and that's why I'm less n- known here. I was like fuck it. I'll go be famous in Russia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there's a big you know I get there's a, there's a big comedy scene in Russia of English speaking comedy, right? Because I've I've had I, I you you're, this, not, you're not performing in Russian, I'm presuming, or is it translated? And it was translated, so we was went. It? Okay. Yeah, in uh,
1: in in Moscow. So uh, there was they. Some of them, the words that were not fully fluent in English, had the show live translated in their wow. ear. Um, that was a weird gig because there was a delay. Do you get to pick
0: the guy who's doing the tra- – because the guy who's translating has to have a have a certain comic flair, surely, to to pull it off? No, no, so
1: we didn't – no, no. So, this was, so before we get to Russia, I mean, they sent through the entire – the Russian government's like, right, what are you going to say? What are you going to say while you're in Russia? Now, the show I was doing, I was doing my show X, which was about uh, toxic masculinity and uh, sexual assault and male compl- complicity uh, – and it just had a bunch of jokes in it, but they were like, write it all out and let us know what the topics are about. And I had some pro gay material in there. And my thing was, I'm not cutting that out. Like that's, I'm not, I, if I'm, I'm doing the full show in Russia, I'm not editing the show for you. If you don't want the full show, none of it's coming. So they sent this translator to come see the show when it was in Vienna. And we're paranoid as shit at this point. We're like, he's, he's from the KGB they've they've sent him to come and listen to the set to go back to them to let i mean there's a very highly educated russian man fluent in like seven languages it was so was so interesting so amazing it was the, it, the nuances between words and languages and he was so good to talk to you. the entire time he we was talking i'm like you fucking kgb i know what you're up to yeah you you're, you're, you're texting putin right now you're like he's doing pro-gay stuff he's anti-sexless, so he's all this. Um, and uh, we, uh, we got there and he translated. And it seemed to go well. They laughed. Mm-hmm. They laughed three seconds after I'd said the thing. So it was... Yeah. Uh, but... I don't. I don't know if he actually said the thing. I, he could exactly. have been up. like, exactly. I could. I could have been doing my bit where I'm like, and gay marriage is important and all this <laughs> stuff. And he was like, I and mean, he's just it. he's talking about how great God is and <laughs> how beautiful Jesus' beard
0: was. Oh dear. Well, that's re- that's very very exciting. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've had a few shows uh, abroad, but um other people doing them in different languages. It's a very weird, I... uh, very weird experience. But yeah. Yeah well so um and I was there's uh, one of your shows on Netflix now, I think a couple have been on, and, and X is on HBO is that right so that's yeah. so let's do this. Um,
1: uh, dark and Jigsaw are available on Netflix, and, two on both yeah, Netflix. and X are on X is on HBO
0: so I watched dark today which is I mean I think it's um it, it's a very interesting show which obviously you talk about um your your sister in this show which is a very uh, personal moment uh, but I think it's it's well it, it's interesting interesting that the the I'm interested in kind of the disability and the way comedy can, uh, you know, discuss disability. And you do, you have this very, this discussion in your in your show. Your your sister was disabled yeah. with cerebral palsy, uh, and you know that that I I mean I'm very fascinated with that because I've, I've, I've had a big discussions about disability. I'm involved with scope and. Um, uh, and you know, and I've had some run-ins with comedians about about their disability material, which sometimes is good and sometimes bad. And there's obviously great uh, disabled comedians, but it but is that idea that you you some people feel you shouldn't even joke about that subject? Um, and it's it's very well uh, balanced this that part of the show in terms of you are sort of tricking the audience a little bit, and you're talking about your sister in the present tense and. Uh, and being, I, I, wanted, and-
1: I wanted them to go through... When my sister died yeah. when I was eight years old, it was a shock. Man, I didn't... My parents, I think they knew... Uh, when Josie was born, the doctors basically said that she would get five years uh, and she got she got six. So my parents knew that she had a life expectancy, but I didn't. No. So when it was revealed to me that she died, man, it was a proper shock as an eight-year-old. Like I, was, I didn't. Know. And I wanted my audience to go through that because... Because of the shock and because of how I had to deal with it, that's how I developed that sense of humor. Uh, because it was, it was shocking, it was horrible to come to terms with it. I was sad, but there was still funny things happening. And, and even though that moment was sad, so much of my sister's life had been—you know—she was she she laughed all the time. That's all she did. She just, and it was a laugh that fucking uh, lit up a room. And I would I would go back into school, and I'd, it was. It, for me, it's dehumanising to say that you can't laugh at these things. If you're making fun of disabled people, absolutely. If they're the if they're the victims of the joke, then. But that's the case for all jokes. If you're going, oh, you do, fuck you, fuck you. But if they are incorporated in to not laugh, look. Disability can be fucking hysterical because it's weird. Like they, they're not in full control of their limbs. They're not. It, depending on the type of simple, they interpret things differently. Josie would laugh at random point, the most inappropriate fucking times in the world. That's funny, and it's uncomfortable. And other people getting uncomfortable makes it it it, it, it funny. I just think it's so uh, important to to not. If somebody says, "Don't make fun of me," fine, fine, absolutely, but I do not agree with "Don't make fun of them." If somebody doesn't want to be made fun of, they go, "Me, don't do that," and then will not. But this idea of you shouldn't make fun of these people, I am like, those people can tell me,
0: yeah. And and I think also it's valid to for you for you yourself to cope with something terrible in your life via humor right which not everyone has to do that not everyone has to have jokes about a a, a relative dying or whatever but if that helps you and it obviously helped you and I don't know where Robin Ince obviously I don't know if you've read his recent book about uh what makes comedians comedians but he has this you know as that observation that a lot of comedians have lost uh, a mother or a parent or a sibling or whatever in childhood and that whether that I mean, a lot haven't as well, obviously. But whether that is the is the catalyst that turns them into comedians, or whether they you would have been a comedian anyway, but I think so. Quite, yeah,
1: oh, I th- I th- I no, I do agree. With, I do agree with the the tragedy. You, there's different ways they react to tragedy. You yeah. can go to. humor or you can go the other ways i also should clarify i don't think the other ways are bad one of the Mm -hmm. things people often get wrong is if your way of dealing with a tragedy is to laugh about it that's absolutely fine other people's way might not be so if you make a joke about something let's say your mate's granddad died right and you make a joke about it to try and make them feel better right and that uh, you make the joke and the other person gets upset you don't get to be angry at that you don't get it was just a joke yes (laughs) It was just a joke. Your intention wasn't to upset them, but the consequences were that you did. And that's the bit you have to deal with.
0: Yeah. Well, it's you know, but comedy is all about context, isn't it? And that's what you know. Freedom of speech is all about context, and and these people saying you've got to be, you're not allowed to say anything. You you know, you're not allowed to say some things in certain situations, and you would accept that. Yeah, <laughs> You'd yeah. accept that about other. There's things when it's inappropriate to to start shouting. You know, we all, all know not to yell the bomb
1: in an airport. We all exactly. know. We all know that you don't yell bomb <laughs> in an airport. You can you can? But there are consequences to it.
0: Yeah but you you are you've been you know you're you're interested in covering the big subjects and you know you've you' you've talked about um being unsuccessfully groomed that was it and you're talking about you're talking about masculinity in in the in the show x and talking about and me S- too and things like that and, yeah dealing yeah. with the,
1: my uh, one of my close friends was sexually assaulted by one of my other friends, obviously he's not a friend anymore uh that that th- th- goes out the same but it's about you know as a as a man, most of my standup is is the reason I t- talk about dark Subject is because I'm an I'm an idiot and I know and I'm slow to learn things, so I try and get the audience on my slow pace. Going hey, right, this is how I arrived at these conclusions. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a great person, and especially with the the show X. Uh, with the sexual assault of my, f- of my friend, realising how absolutely complicit I had been in it, the the realisation that I could have done more, that I was, if I'm being honest with myself, probably willfully ignorant about a lot of his uh, behaviour. And there's all these things that, they, uh, you know, I, I definitely, five years ago, would have been a hashtag not all men person. That, yeah. under, uh, uh, that would have been me, because I understand the logic of, But I didn't, so why am I? And it wasn't until I went through this that I stopped being a not-all-man person because I fucking realised, hey, 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 it wasn't me. I didn't do it. But I know for a fact that I didn't do for it enough. I know for a fact that there were warning signs that I ignored or that I chose to just see the best in him as opposed to what other people were telling me. I was complicit in all of this fucking shit. And I know that now. Now, instead of just... Yelling at men because uh, and don't get me wrong, I understand we need to. It's nice to yell at us sometimes. As a man, I know I react so poorly and so viscerally to being yelled at, and that I should be better at it. But if I get yelled at, I stop listening. And 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 the re, the only reason I changed my opinion over these years is is because all of these things happen, and that's how I like to explain things instead of going, "You should believe this." It's going, "I used to think this, and then." That's how I got there. So that way, even if the audience disagree with me, they understand my thinking, and I think that's so important. A lot, especially nowadays, people only tell you their conclusions and not how they arrived at them, and it's such an important bit of the discussion.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think like the thing with the 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 men and, and the crisis in masculinity and the writing the book I've been writing is you know I've been thinking about this a lot, but I think like men are the, are the only group I can think of who accept the stereotypes about them that I just don't think are true of most of us, right? And, you know, certainly, and there's a very negative stereotype of men. And there's an element of, the, of it that's true, as with the, of many stereotypes. But basically, it's a very aggressive, and yet men prop it up. And and men actually, all these men who are angry about not all men or or International Women's Day or Black Lives Matter, they're... they're directing their anger at the, exactly the wrong people they're directing their anger at the people who you know because a lot of a lot of men you know a, I can understand that a lot of men are looking and going well my life isn't great what's you know we talk about the patriarchy but my, I don't have a great life but the patriarchy is actually you know crushing it's the patriarchy that's crushing these men and they're supporting it because of this stupid code of masculinity or whatever or they're you know that they have to stick together with men while well, this elite of men Who are benefiting it from all? I just sort of, you know, they're the nerdy guy who wants to be in the gang. All those guys, and they're not. They're just being laughed at as well. And so, if they knew, I think if 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 they could just make that realization that the enemy isn't uh, immigrants or black people or women. It's the immigrant. (laughs) It's the enemy. Is the is the the elite that's keeping the system? And and if and what they don't understand is equality. Means equality for yeah. for everyone. So you know you fight against you know, International Women's Day wants equality, but what about me- where men are in equal? i not equal. Yeah, that that would be that would be sorted too by yeah, the yeah, equality yeah. thing. We're talking about. Yeah. So, so, so you know, but it's but it's I think it's very interesting to hear you say the things you said and the things you said in your um, shows. Also, I was listening to your latest uh, podcast with Kai Humphreys, which is is, <laughs> is great. But you know, you talk about the the black Black Lives Matter thing, but it's interesting to see two guys working it out right i think you know and and again a kai being i think quite honest about his journey to realizing where where he's been wrong in the past about those sort of things and getting there and you know and and i know kai a little bit and like he's a you know he's a very regular he's a regular kind of guy the kind of person you say that's yeah, that, I... that the kind of people you know if you were a patronizing <laughs> idiot you might go that's oh, that he's that kind of guy he's not he's a, he's a very guy. <laughs> yeah, but he's a very thoughtful, intelligent guy, and he is—you know—he has come to the correct realization about yeah, and it, t- it took a while. Yeah, and,
1: but I think that's w- what happens so much is is that uh, that the, there's a learning process. There's the the before you arrive at the conclusion, there's the conversation that happens, and f- as someone specifically who doesn't know a lot of these things, these conversations where I'm trying to learn are fucking slow and they do need and it's and it must and i get it it must be so frustrating for women just going how is how have you not at this fucking point in time you've been on this planet for 29 years how are you only just learning these things because i'm a privileged piece of shit and now and i only became aware of it four years ago so there's this process of one learning to understanding that you're privileged doesn't mean that your life is inherently better than everyone else you can still benefit from privilege and still have a shitty life like it's it's, and it's I think it's important to have these conversations instead of offering everyone your conclusion, going, this is right, this is right, this is this, going, hey, we all agree here, we all agree here, we all agree here, oh, 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 and we all arrived at the same conclusion together. Because then it's, you're teaching people how to think, not what to think, how to think.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's it. I think nearly everyone who's complaining about nearly everything, (laughs) Is sort of on the same side, and they've been divided. It's divide and conquer, and there is this, you know, propensity with social media to be furi- to be furious, to come in furiously against.
1: You say something, and they go, "Oh, so so you must think this." And you go, no, I, I, the ones I said, the ones that left my mouth are the ones I yeah. meant.
0: But funnily enough, you know, being making a comment and then having fifty people come and berate you and i've had it from i uh, know i've had it from both sides of most arguments because we're a comedian because you're a comedian you'll say cheeky things one way or the other or you'll question something i've had it if people are berating you your your immediate feeling is oh you know so whatever you think about those arguments and now uh, you know i'm pretty sure i know what the the right side <laughs> of that argument is now but whatever you think if you're trying to convince people you don't fucking go at them like they're a oh, maniac yeah. and an idiot, you try and convince them that your argument is right with some facts rather right. than some... And empathy.
1: It's like if you were to see
0: a... You
1: know, you've got to talk to people like you talk to kids. And I say this as somebody that needs to be spoken to like a, a child sometimes. Hey, hey, don't kick that cat because it's sad because that's a bad thing to do. and you, you so Especially, it's not... Uh, I've just almost did what we said we shouldn't do. I was about to say, a lot of men... I think a lot of men, uh, because maybe emotionally were a bit more closed off with it until later, I certainly didn't start being good with my emotions until I was about 21 or 22. Like I actively stopped myself crying. If I ever caught myself crying, I'd be like, nope, nope, you don't, nope, that's, girls cry, men don't cry. And uh, I, I, it, it, it takes having conversations with other men Patiently taking their time to go, hey, hey, let's slowly talk about your emotions and leading me to a conclusion, as opposed to forcing it there.
0: If that makes sense, yeah, sure, sure, no, sure. It was interesting, but then you know that I think when comedy does that, and you know I think you, it's very interesting. You're you're covering those big subjects, and I think a, a lot of people wouldn't, you know, want to want to talk about.
1: It. I think my big is my opinion on these things is not necessarily uh, right, and I. Uh, but i'm not coming out with any stonewall conclusion from it like it, I'm, i am a ab- am absolutely part of whatever most problems are i'm probably part of it right <laughs> and it's learning that and then also making sure that going okay i know that and passing that information on so that just empathi- a- empathetic discussion is dead in the world now you know people are can, you know, but i oh, hope
0: it's i hope it's sort of changing i think it might i mean i think all this stuff that's happening at the moment that is largely a big positive step i hope i think it's just i think it's i think it's the real it's real it is empathy but it's it's also real the realization i think it is that it's you've got to take things uh, sadly you have got to take things like a little bit slowly and then every now and again you need to go no this is going too slowly (laughs) yeah let's throw this statue in the in the harbor to to move this along a bit and see where it is. Uh, yeah let's
1: like, <laughs> yeah, this argument because
0: this one's been going on a bit 400 years is probably long enough um so yeah it well well it, it, it's good to to be covering these big subjects look we we're we're, uh, we're running out of time um so is that the, what these driving clubs uh, is this week? Is this weekend, isn't it? As we're as yes, we're it's this weekend. So if you want to go and see some live comedy in London, is it all in London or is it in uh,
1: London? Uh, uh, if you go to the the driving website, uh, they've got other they've got movies on, they've got an actual driving thing, they've got stuff for kids, right. and they'll be expanding. So it's all cool. available. And
0: maybe maybe something in Edinburgh if you can.
1: Hopefully, hopefully. We can, sort of, um, I,
0: I, I, we can do something online. For, I mean, people, will, Edinburgh will sort of happen. I think.
1: Somehow. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it'll be something. Like, I'll stand on the Royal Mile with a YouTube <laughs> video of someone juggling, and then if everyone can give me twenty quid, that's spot on. Okay. Uh, I also have a book coming out on the third of November.
0: Okay. Good. What's What's that about?
1: It's called It's called Everyone You Hate Is Going to Die. That and is very uh, true. And yeah.
0: Well, that's going to make. Well, we'll look out for that. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. I hope we're back in the the clubs and on tour and around the world uh, very soon in in Russia again soon. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with um, Joe Caulfield. Next week, we've got. To go, if you go to richhane.com, dot uh, com, you can click on uh, my face and find out who the upcoming guests. Ah, but uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Daniel Sloss! Thank you! See you. Goodbye. See you very soon, everyone. Goodbye. You have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Daniel Sloss. Thank you, as always, to Pest for providing this music. I would like to thank everyone at Twitch, at ACAST. The British Comedy Guide, Sky Potato, GoFasterStripe.com, and I'm particularly indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, who has done amazing work in keeping all of this going through lockdown and providing me with technical assistance. Uh, I, I would also like to thank our executive producer who this week is Mark Illen. We called him Mark Villain, because we it, like we like to think of him as a villainy though he was providing money for us to make this I don't know why we were so rude to him. i take it back now this is a sky potato fuzz and go faster Stripe.com production head to rahulastapa.co.uk slash kickstarter to join in with our stone curing kickstarter a snooker one is coming with all sorts of wonderful punani sticker albums and a glamour shots of me 11 and much much more for your enjoyment um, and membership cards as well, as always with the stone one. Or if you just want to be a simple badger, go to slash badges. Thank you very much for watching and listening, and now go away. Bye-bye.
1: From the cinematic universe of J.J. Abrams comes the space strategy game Star Trek Fleet Command. Be the commander of your own missions. Customize your fleet of starships. Assemble a crew of new and familiar faces. Choose your weapons to prepare and lead your crew in epic battles. Every moment counts in these real-time battles. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Star Trek Fleet Command. Download free today on the App Store or Google Play.